We have a crisis within the science of economics. Does the problem lie with broken models or with the ineffectiveness of broken markets? So when I say economics is a broken science, what I mean is it has become a battleground between effectively different tribal groups, all of which have got different ideas. There's a bit of validity in each one, but they all appear to be incompatible with each other. So to fix this broken science, we need the new idea, the new paradigm shift that lets us pick the right ideas from each of those tribes and get them together into a single model that works. We've got a very interesting debate going on that's just started a few weeks ago with the Bank of England publishing a new paper saying that the old model of how money is made in the economy is wrong and we need to go to a new theory which is called endogenous money. Now they've published this paper and a lot of people are getting very excited about it and really it should be radically changing monetary policy but it's actually having no impact at all so they're changing them they're changing the theories of economics all the time but not applying them to changing policies or not linking the two together so unless we start thinking more clearly about how the economy works we're not going to be able to fix the policies because until we think more clearly about the economy, we're not going to be able to convince people that policies need to be changed. Do you think that a change in the models themselves is really going to be the impetus to get governments to make those radical changes you call for? If I can give you an example. At the moment, we've got uh, a mindset that says that the way we need to stimulate economic activity is to make it easier for entrepreneurs. So we've got to cut the tax rates and make it easier for people to do business. Now that's a reasonable argument. But there's another argument that actually the way you need to stimulate entrepreneurs is actually to put more money into the pockets of their customers. So if their customers have got more money, the entrepreneurs are stimulated to try and earn that money. And what we really need to be doing is putting money into the bottom of society producing more spending power there and that will actually stimulate those at the top to go out and, and invest in order to earn that money. Your book is very clear to criticize existing models and set some clear target end goals but there's no concise model in there. Was that intentional on your part? What I set out in the book was an alternative way of thinking about the economy which is the start of building an alternative model. So what I described is I said we need to stop thinking about uh, a neoclassical model trying to get as rich as possible. We need to start thinking about a Darwinian economy where we're actually trying to get richer than each other. And that changes the dynamics very slightly. The people at the top, they sort of lose their motivation to invest. They're at the top and what they want is to keep the status quo in place. Economies tend to stagnate in that model. What you need in order to keep the economy growing is therefore a progressive tax rate which takes some money out of the top and puts money back into the bottom and creates a circulatory flow of wealth around the economy. It's by no means a complete model but it's a change of mindset which makes it easier to understand the problems. It's, it's what uh, the philosopher Thomas Kuhn called a paradigm shift. Do you have an economic forecast or someone you think that is so clear-sighted that they could create such a model? Again, if you change the mindset I think it becomes suddenly very easy to see why these policies are going wrong. Why we keep printing money, but the inflation rate keeps falling and the growth rate doesn't recover. Because QE, quantitative easing, is pushing money into the top of society 
rather than the bottom of society. So if we change the mode of the policy and we say we go from monetary to Keynesian stimulus and we cut the tax on the poorer people and probably have to raise the tax a little bit on, on things like interest and dividends on, on capital, then we can start to deleverage the economy and make it run in a more sustainable way. But doesn't that run the risk of then creating inefficiencies in the system? I think it will actually make them more efficient. Again, if we think about it in the existing model, it looks like it's an inefficiency. It looks like you're hampering the, um, the entrepreneur. But in, in this new circulatory model, you realize, okay, you might be hampering the entrepreneur, but you're stimulating the customer of the entrepreneur. So actually you are helping the entrepreneur. The analogy I use is the bicep and the tricep. They are working against each other. They're antagonistic muscles, if you like. But you, no doctor would say that you only need the bicep or you only need the tricep. You very clearly need both. And it's the same in the economy. You need capitalism to generate the wealth and push the money up to the entrepreneurs to encourage them to work. But then you need the state sector to help push the money back down again so that the customer of the capitalist has got the money to spend. Now that ties in well. Of course, you say in your book that democracies can really necessitate rapid economic growth. But then if you look at the examples of China and Asia as a whole, don't they contradict your assessment? That's an interesting one, actually. I don't think it does. The model that I'm, I'm talking about is a competitive model where we're all trying to get richer than each other. Now, if you start from a base level of communism, where everybody has got pretty much equal wealth and not very much of it, then once you take away the communist constraints, you will get a sudden rush of entrepreneurial activity as everybody tries to get richer than each other. So the economy will expand very, very rapidly until a point where you get oligarchs controlling the economy. If we don't then add in the democratic part, the recycling of the wealth, at that point, the economy will stagnate. So I think what Russia did and what China is doing now is actually very consistent with this model. The really interesting question is whether those two countries can now make the transit to a democratic capitalism where they start to recycle some of the, the wealth of the oligarchs to keep the system running. Wouldn't an oligarchical government that's perhaps not on the extreme end be able to respond more quickly to changes in the market than perhaps a democratically elected government who has to then look at uh, issues within the Senate as well as the House of Commons, debate, and then move forward with a policy? You're into an interesting question there. If we look at America and we look at Europe, it seems to me that actually the political system in both of those huge economic blocks has broken down. We had a sort of mindset that a big super state would work better than a lot of smaller states. I think given how the American system has become logjammed and the European system has become logjammed, maybe we should be asking ourselves whether actually democracy is better delivered in smaller units rather than bigger units. Now, the Eurozone is battling to get a concise plan of action forward to get economies moving. How would you rectify the situation if you were head of the zone? Unless the European Union can establish a mechanism to create the fiscal transfers from the wealthiest states to the poorest states, it's going to continue to create a system of polarizing wealth within the European Union where the poorer countries will 
will get poorer relative to the richer countries. And that will create first stagnation and then probably social unrest. So if we can't complete the European project and create those fiscal transfers, then eventually it will probably break up. It could be many decades away. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll recognise this problem and fix it before that happens. But it, it definitely does need fixing. Thank you for sharing your insight today. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you.